Hey there, everybody. It is Thursday, November 15th, and we're back for another edition of the MMMA Ratings Podcast. My name is Rafael Garcia. Um, my partner, Sean Hume, is not in yet. Not sure if he's joining me. I haven't heard back from him. But even still, we have quite a bit to talk about in the world of professional mixed martial arts because we are going to be covering some of the news that's broken out this past uh, week and just want to kind of cover some of that and also look at UFC Fight Night uh, number numerical is 140 and it's featuring Santiago Ponzinibbio and Neil Magny in the main event in Argentina this coming weekend there's a Bellator card that's actually going on I'm not sure if it's going on right now or if it's already done I will actually I scratch that it is done because I've seen who won the fight between Patricio Freire and Emmanuel Sanchez. So we got, I want to talk about that because I want to talk about it in a different standpoint because this show is going on in Israel. It's going on right now, but they're not going to show it until tomorrow night on tape delay. So that's something I want to talk about because it's interesting in today's uh, atmosphere with the technological advances that we've seen. But either way, Thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you for taking the time out doing so. Please be sure to like our content here on YouTube. You can listen to us live or listen to us um, on your own time, on, on demand. Go to the MMA, MMA Ratings YouTube channel. Check us out there. You can follow us also at MMARatings.net on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us. You can catch us at... Uh, Thursdays. This show comes on usually about 10.30. You can also catch our new professional wrestling uh, podcast on Wednesdays called, called uh, Let's Talk Wrestling where I um, go into some of the top big, big topics that are going on within the industry each and every week. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into some of the news from this week. The first thing I want to talk about is it, there's pretty some pretty interesting fight announcements and uh, some speculations I guess is the word to use. So the first one I want to talk about is speculation of the idea that Donald Cerrone may be fighting Conor McGregor next. Uh, we saw Donald Cerrone finished uh, Mike Perry on this past Saturday submitting him via armbar and afterwards he mentioned that he that there is a potential name that he has been given by the UFC as the next fight but he did not say uh, who and he did not say when, but he later on hinted in the Insta- uh, in a uh, I think it was Twitter or Instagram post that it may be the one and only Conor McGregor. And this is an interesting situation here because Conor McGregor, you know, he's coming off of a loss to Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's coming off of the boxing loss to Floyd Mayweather, um, but he's at an all-time high. Uh, that loss to Nurmagomedov may have, you know, knocked him out of the title picture, but it didn't really knock him out of the situation from a financial and drawing power standpoint. But he's in a situation where he can't go right back into the title picture, but he needs a big fight to keep his name. I'm not gonna say relevant, but to keep him where he's been for such an uh, extended period of time. So you have to look around, and there's probably a lot of names that come to mind as who um, 
he can face. But I was surprised that it's Donald Cerrone. Like this was a name that I wasn't thinking about, but it makes a lot of sense to me. We know that Cerrone uh, is moving back down to 155. He's been pretty vocal about that. And he's always been a fringe player in, in the sport. He's one of those guys where he's not a he's not the elite of the elite. You know, he's not the best of the best. But in order for fighters to be considered the best of the best, they have to defeat Donald Cerrone. If they can't get by him, there's no point in even talking about them in uh, full-time uh, title contention. You may have some names like... Eddie Alvarez, who snuck by um, and lost to Cerrone, but still eventually became UFC champion. You have names such as him, but there aren't too many guys who have beaten him that aren't uh, considered elite fighters. I mean, if we look at his resume, Jamie Varner, former WEC champion, Benson Henderson, you know, we know what he went on to do, even though Cerrone eventually got that win back, which was questionable. But Benson Henderson beat him twice. Uh, Nate Diaz, I mean, we know what, what Nate has done in his career. Anthony Pettis, former UFC champion. Rafael Dos Anjos, former UFC champion. Rafael Dos Anjos beat him twice, former UFC champion. Jorge Masvidal, uh, top five welterweight, if not higher. Robbie Lawler, former UFC champion. Darren Till, fought for the UFC title. And Leon Edwards, who's kind of pushing his way up the rankings right now. So McGregor is always an intriguing Excuse me, not McGregor. Masoroni is always an intriguing name to see step into the cage because you know what he's going to bring. He can. He's a very skilled fighter who goes out there to either put his opponent away or he dies on his shield. I mean, his record is what? Let's see. 34 wins, 11 losses. And I can't remember last time anyone said Donald Cerrone was in a boring fight. Like, think about that. Can anyone remember that? Sorry about that. It has something in my throat. But he's definitely someone that <clears throat> I would love to see crack through to the top. I mean, he may be one of the best guys to never actually win a UFC title. Like, names like him, Uriah Faber, and others. Maybe uh, Dan Henderson as well. But, there's, I mean, that's another conversation for another day. But Cerrone's definitely one of those guys you want to see break through to the top. I mean, he has a record for UFC wins and the record for finishes. And that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing there when you look at... Uh, he's not even a UFC original. You know, so, like, there's so... There, Cerrone is a consummate Hall of Famer right now, even if he never wins a UFC title. But seeing him put up against uh, McGregor, if that does happen, this is a fight I could definitely get behind. Uh, there isn't much that <clears throat> McGregor could say about Cerrone outside of the cage as he does with so many other guys. You know, he says <laughs> things that trim the line of bigotry and racism when he's uh, fighting guys of minority descent, but Donald Cerrone, he really can't have that much to say about him because he's a guy that the fans love. The fans will keep behind just because this, he's the way he gets out there and fights all the time. So it'll be interesting from a, from a promotional standpoint to see how they talk about this fight and to see how they lead into it because I think there is some opportunity there. 
I'll tell you something that's pretty um, intriguing from that standpoint. Stylistically, I would lean McGregor to win that fight. Cerrone's taken a lot of damage over his career. He's not quite the same guy he was when he first came into the um, into the UFC, and his struggles are well known. I mean, like issues with taking body shots. Like the guys who have beaten him are, are pretty much, you know, pretty much what they did. I mean, just look at Leon Edwards was laying into his body. Uh, Robbie Lawler was. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos was both times. Anthony Pettis, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos killed him with the, uh, with the a body kick. Uh, Anthony Pettis did the same thing. So, I mean, so many guys have um, been able to take advantage of that. But I am a fan of this fight. I would definitely lean McGregor. I think that that's a fight that he would win. Um, I think it would be an action-packed fight, and I think he would win via stoppage. I don't think that is one of those fights that would go to the distance. For McGregor, this is the type of fight that allows him to go out there and do what he does and look like the man who is a two-division champion. Is it a win that immediately puts him back into the title contention? No, but I can see him go from this fight to maybe facing Nate Diaz again to finally being back in the uh, the title picture, especially if uh, Nemargo Madoff is still the champion at, at the time. But this is the type of fight that I think he needs, and it's right, it's timely as well because he is in a situation where he may not get another opportunity immediately in the f- the future. I don't think he has done enough right now to really demand an immediate rematch. He knows that. I mean, he's been very vocal about that, that he does want to run that back, but he understands that he has to take another fight between now and then. So I am a fan of, of this fight. Uh, if it gets booked, there isn't any word on when or if it's actually true, but it's, it's just kind of recently came up today. And it's something that everyone's been talking about. But I... I it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I didn't know I wanted this, but now that, that you mentioned it, I want it. Shut up and take my money. So let's hope that, that this fight gets made in the future because it's definitely something that I would like to see. Uh, there's two other, actually three other uh, rumored matches. And I want to talk about the uh, this one with Nick Diaz first because the other two are linked. But Nick Diaz is being rumored to return to the octagon, nothing's confirmed as of yet. I'm just seeing a bunch of reports about him fighting Corey Masvidal at UFC 235, and we know that Masvidal is looking for a uh, fight. He hasn't fought uh, since. Let me see. When had Masvidal last fought against Stephen Thompson in November of last year? So he's been out for a year now, but. Jorge um, Masvidal would be a very, uh, he would be a very intriguing fight for Nate. He's someone that would definitely stand up and scrap with them. I don't think we'd have to worry about him trying to take Nick down and and winning the fight on points. But this is the type of fight that brings action and it brings uh, some excitement around it too. I mean, we know fans are always going to ride with, with Nick Diaz, even though you know he doesn't have the greatest record. People are going to get behind this guy no matter what because he is a draw. And Masvidal, Masvidal has been putting on some great fights as of late. So let's see what happens with him as well. I mean, he he he's another guy like we were just talking about Cerrone, where he has it done enough to break through to the upper echelon, but he is someone that if you can't beat Jorge Masvidal, 
you have no um, no need to even be in a conversation around the belt or, or around number one continuous contendership. So I am again. This is another fight. I'm I'm behind. I'm a fan of this idea as well too. So I I, I could see this fight happening. USC 235 is scheduled for March 2nd. Nothing's been announced for that card. Uh, this is back in Nevada. I would def like this isn't a main event. Like let's not let's not have that conversation. I don't think that this fight is a main event. It's definitely a, a fight that could help carry that card. It's definitely a main card fight, but it's not a main event. So that's neither here nor there. But uh, this is a fight that I'm interested in. It's another one of those fights where it's like, hey, I didn't ask for this fight. see it, I, I would definitely sit down and watch it. So that's one of the bouts that, that were announced today. The other two are linked because the first one we have is TJ Dillashaw and um, Henry Cejudo being rumored for UFC for 232. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Because I don't think that one's been a officially announced either. Let me see, let me see. Sorry, folks. I'm not... I want to make sure I get this right. Give me one second while I look this up. Of course, it's not there. Uh... All right, according to this here, I don't see if the fight's been initially announced, but he's supposed to be facing uh, Henry Cejudo, uh, I think it's UFC 232 or UFC 233. One of the two. Yeah, here we go. UFC 233, which is set for January 29th. They're targeting the fight between Cejudo and Dillashaw. Now, this would just be, be for the flyweight title. So, the way Dillashaw was talking about it, I think, on Twitter, is that this is an opportunity for him to go down, win a second belt, in his words, kill off the... Um, the division, the flyweight division, because as we know, we've talked about it extensively here, that the UFC is looking to uh, remove the flyweight division and, and go about um, letting go of all these fighters and moving some up to bantamweight. Hold on a second, sorry about that, folks. Phone is all loud tonight. Sorry about that, folks. But I think, so there's quite a bit to talk about here, because first, you know, we have this fight to break down. Um, do I think it's the right fight to make? Yes. I still wanted to see uh, DJ get his rematch. I um, I'm concerned because it's for the flyweight title. A, we've never seen TJ make that weight. We don't know. We don't know if he can make that weight. He never even wrestled at that weight in college. So there's that question, which is first and foremost. But why does this have to be for the flyweight title? Because what happens if Henry wins? Does that mean he's the number one contender for the bantamweight title? Does that mean that he gets both belts? 
Uh, does that mean he's staying at 125 and he's defending that title when they've already begun releasing fighters at 125? So what does that really mean for that division? Do they just fold that belt away? Do they just fold it and give it away? Excuse me, take it away and just um, make him the bantamweight title champion as well if he defeats uh, TJ. So there's so many different questions there. But it's unfortunate because I just don't think, I find it upsetting that They've had to let a whole division worth of men go because of that being a group that they couldn't promote and couldn't get to the uh, limelight status. It's, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is at this point in time. There's nothing that's going to be happening about it. It's interesting seeing a lot of fighters still talking about it because it seems across the board that there's a lot of, uh, of anger about it. Uh, a lot of fighters feel like they've been sold out. Um, they feel like Henry and TJ are looking out for themselves and doing what's in their best interest, which they are. Let's not, um, let's not look a blind eye to that because this is still an individual fight or individual fight game. And A, they're prize fighters and B, there's no union and social association. There's nothing around that will protect these fighters from themselves and situations like this are going to fucking happen if um, people are saying hey you know you guys need to unionize sign your project spearhead cards but no one's doing it i mean cajun johnson was talking about the other day how he thinks this the the, the movement for project spirit isn't going to work and that they're going to run out of time and no one's signing their cards but just you got situations like this happening nothing right you got people getting pulled out of guys getting pulled out of cards and um guys getting pulled out of cards without even knowing putting booked in fights that they never really agreed to so there's so many different situations going on but hey without any representation around there's nothing that can uh happen so now we're looking at this fight and you know i mean i think it's it's i i think it's a fight tj will win you know he hasn't i think he has enough wrestling to keep uh henry off of him and his striking is light. Is, I think is light years beyond what Henry could offer on the feet. He'll be the bigger man. So I think that that's a fight that uh, TJ wins. I'm not going to say he wins it hand, handedly, but I think that that's the fight that, that, that he's going to win. I think he can put it on Suhudo uh, and finish him off. But I, I think it's pretty um, it's pretty awesome that, that this fight is being talked about because it shines a light on things that need to happen within things that need to happen within the mixed martial arts community so that's something that I um, I definitely look forward to talking about if this fight officially gets booked because there needs to be a conversation on how it how, how it came to play and the impact that it's had um, within the organization and on these fighters. The third fight I wanted to talk about was I've only seen this mentioned on Instagram. I saw it in passing today. I haven't seen anyone talk about it yet. I haven't seen it being mentioned anywhere. But also on that card for January, UFC 233, 
there's a rumor going on that Tyron Woodley and Kobe Covington are um, being booked to face off against each other. And I think that this is, I mean, this is the fight at welterweight everyone wants to see. They know Kobe's been that guy talking his talk, walking his walk, being the MAGA MMA, MMA MAGA representative that everybody wants to see. So, I mean, he's been playing it up, playing it up to the crowd as much as he possibly can, playing it up to President Trump, doing whatever he could. And now he looks like he's about to get that um, title shot. Uh, this is the fight. I mean, this is a fight where Tyron can become a bigger star if he goes out there and starches Kobe Covington. But I just don't think he's the type of guy people want to get behind. This isn't Anderson Silva, Chell Sonnen. This is not that situation. This is uh, something different. And I think that Woodley, I, I mean, I'm leaning towards him in this fight already. I don't see how, I don't see a direct path to victory for Kobe because his striking isn't better than uh, Woodley's. And I don't think his wrestling is that either. I think Woodley uses his wrestling in enough of an effective manner that can keep Kobe off of him while he uh, continue, continues to pepper him with shots. I don't think that Kobe is the technical striker of a Stephen Thompson or a Darren, Darren Till that could put that type of hurt on Woodley that many were expecting those two guys to do. So there's that. There's my breakdown from of that fight from in, in the cage uh, standpoint. But from a you know business side, that's this is kind of where my mind always goes with mixed martial arts. I think it's, it's the right fight for Walterway. It's certainly the fight that Woodley uh, has next. I don't know who they book him against next. I mean, if you don't go Kobe Covington, you don't go Usman right now. Um, maybe you go Ponzinibbio if he has a, a big win on Saturday and puts Neil Magny away. But outside of that, I don't think Ponzinibbio is in, is in a position to get that fight yet. Usman isn't either. Maybe they uh, fight each other for the opportunity when you have a um, contender killed off. But this Kobe Covington fight is the right fight for uh, Woodley next. I haven't seen anything officially announce it yet. I've only seen it rumored in one spot, which I think was like the MMA Junkie Instagram account this afternoon. But it could be a fight that helps Woodley get over with the crowd. It's a fight that helps bolster a card because a card with Dillashaw and Sohudo and this is as the co-main event or vice versa. I think that that does do well from a business standpoint if the rest of the card is flushed out. Though that's an, an intriguing um, two title combination there to kind of really uh, look forward to seeing. So I'm pretty excited about all the fights that were have been getting uh, rumored and reported on this past week. I'm looking forward to it because you know we're headed into 2019 and we have they have we had a new deal with ESPN and it'll be interesting to see where the UFC puts their resources how they um how they book bigger cards and especially with them getting a bigger cut of the pay-per-view buys now you know they're going to be doing more business looking to push people towards the pay-per-view model even though their pay-per-view buys are going down maybe they can figure out a way to fix it by putting together more cards such as this uh, wanted to go back and let's talk about fights from this past weekend. Didn't want to ramble on about them too long. It's only a bit from this weekend's card that I want to talk about. Let me see what I want to talk about on this card here. We already talked about uh, Mike Perry getting submitted by Donald Cerrone. Um... Macy Barber looked good. She had a, a big finish over Hannah Seifers. Um, that's really all is that was 
worth talking about other than the main event where Yair Rodriguez pulled, what is it, snatched the victory from the jaws of defeat when he knocked Chan Sun Jung out at a 4.59 of the fifth round. He hit him with an arcing elbow from bending over that caught the Korean zombie right on the bottom of the chin and put him out with less than a second left. And there, I had the conversation with uh, my girlfriend. She was arguing that Yaya didn't do it on purpose. I was leaning towards the idea that he was. Uh, at first I said he wasn't, but then thinking about it, looking back, if you look at the fight film, Luke Thomas did a great job with this on MMA rating, or excuse me, the MMA fighting, the MMA hour on Monday, where he highlighted it and basically pointed out, hey, these are the various situations in that fight beforehand that Yair threw similar elbows that did not connect, but it shows that he has the propensity to throw strikes from different areas. So now we have probably one of the most spectacular knockouts of in UFC history, definitely the knockout of the year across MMA. There's no way that anyone else can kind of compare with that. Uh, some people were talking about, you know, how does it compare to the Showtime kick? And it's funny because it's almost like, man, the Showtime kick was a spectacular moment. I remember watching, I remember jumping out of my seat when I saw it happen. And this moment here, it definitely made people jump out of the seat. Like, good, because it came at a moment when A, the Korean zombie was winning the fight. He was definitely up, up on the cards. The cards have been distributed since then. He was definitely winning the fight. And if it had gone uh, to the final bell, he would have got his hand raised. And then there's just the fact that both guys were still being aggressive at that point in the fight. I mean, they were they were going at it. This is this was a great fight from start to finish. If you have an opportunity to go back and watch it, I suggest that you do. Um, they won the performance of the yeah, yeah Rodriguez won the performance of, of the night, and they both won the fight of the night bonus because they they deserved it. And this is a big moment for Rodriguez because we're talking about a guy who got crushed by Frankie Edgar. He was a hot prospect, goes out there and starts his BJ pin, gets crushed by Frankie Edgar, gets cut for the promotion because he tweaks out the, the terms fake news when responding to Dana White about a fight that was either booked or not booked, whatever the situation was. But he gets um, basically cut. And now we got this matter here where uh, he's brought back in and steps in to take this fight, replacing Frank Yeager uh, last minute. And I mean, now that I sit back and look at it, I think that this fight would have been better. This fight is better than what the Frank Yeager fight probably would have been. But either way, now we have Rodriguez looking like, hey, he look, he looks like he's right back into that prospect um, category again. As I've always said, the UFC is trying to find Mexican fighters that they can build around. And this guy, he's, I mean, he's shown his ability to get the job done and be a guy who can become a star. 
So let's see what's next for him. Do they put him up against um, what's his name? Uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Uh, Sharapov. Do they put him up against him? Maybe you know he's still calling for that fight. Zabit is. I mean, and he and you know those East Coast guys are still talking their talk. So maybe that is the fight that that they make next, and and we'll see what happens from there. But I'm all in with Yair. I'm all in with him. Getting a big fight next, maybe two fights away from title contention, I think it's a pretty big opportunity for um, him to be in this situation right now. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for him. It was a big win on Saturday, and it was a great night, great way to close out the night. He has a highlight reel that will follow him around for the rest of his career. So let's talk about this Saturday's card that's... It's going down in Argentina. Where's this versus fight? Um, hold on one second, folks. Let me look. Let me get the fight card up. I had it up. Santiago Ponzinibbio. Fighting against Neil Magny. Yes, they are fighting in Buenos Aires. Yes, they are in Argentina, where, where Ponzinibbio is from. And he's facing Neil Magny. Like as as I mentioned, this is a big fight because it's an opportunity for Pontanibio to show if he is a uh, face to watch in this new look welterweight um, division. And what we say about uh, what I just said about Donald Cerrone, you can say the same thing about Neil Magny. Neil Magny is one of those guys where hey, if you can't beat Neil, you're not going to be in the um, in the top consideration of the division and what's so interesting about Neil is that he fighting him you know you'll never look fantastic he he fights in a way that I mean he fights in a very effective way I'm trying to think of a of a of an old school dude to kind of compare it to Makes me think of like, like a Rick Story or something like that. Guys who don't fight the most, like a Brian Caraway, someone who doesn't have the most exciting style of fights, but he does enough to get the win. And I think that that is a is a constant way to describe Neil Magny. He's someone who's tough, who knows how to um, just put in that damn work to get his hand raised. I mean, he's he's riding. Let me see. I, mean, I think he's won four fights in a row, or nine in his last ten. Oh no, he's not. he's he's riding a two-fight win streak. Um, I mean, he again, like I said, he, if you're not elite, you can't beat him. Rafael uh, dos Anjos beat him. Lorenzo Larkin beat him, and then left the UFC. Damian Maya, you know, multiple-time title contender, and then th that was kind of when Magny turned it around. So let's see what this guy uh, does here. But against Ponzinibbio, it's very tough. Challenging that because Ponzinibbio is just a guy who's like a wrecking machine. I mean. 26 wins, 14 by knockout, 6 by submission. He's riding a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, a 6-fight win streak with 3 of those fights coming to a close via knockout. The last time he lost was also to Lorenz Larkin. So that tells you uh, a lot about Larkin and where he was when he left the UFC and where he and how far he's fallen since. But that's neither here nor there. Um, 
I think that this is a, an important fight for both men. Because let me see what they're ranked. Let's see. We're both Lorenz Larkin. Oh, excuse me. We're both Neil Magny and Santiago Ponzinibbio are ranked. And if you haven't looked at the new UFC um, rankings website, it looks fucking fantastic. It's pretty awesome. But uh, let's see. Magny's ranked 8th. Ponzinibbio is ranked 10. So there's definitely some room to move uh, and see what kind of happens next. You know, we got uh, Robbie Lawler facing Ben Askren next. Rafael Dos Anjos, I don't think he has a fight book. Darren Till doesn't have a fight book. Kobe Covington is probably fighting Tyron Woodley. Kamara Usman is just coming off a win. Damian Myers doesn't have anything booked. And then you have these guys. Jorge Masvidal is supposed to be facing it off against Nick Diaz. So it's an opportunity for him to move up. He can move into the top five if, if he gets a big win here. And some other guys get shifted around, which I wouldn't be surprised to see. So there's definitely an opportunity there for this to happen. Um, so let's see. I think this is a tough fight to kind of call. Uh, I think there's, I think I'm right now. I'm leaning more towards Ponzinibbio to take this fight. I think that, like I said, Magni is more of a he's. I don't want to use the term gatekeeper. That may not be the right term to use when talking about him. It's not the right term to use. Not may maybe. It's not the right term to use. Um. Hmm. I can't think of the term to use when talking about Neil Magny, but he's definitely someone who he's a poof, pathway to the stars. I don't know, fight to the stars, whatever you want to call it. But you have to beat him, and you have to be able to do so convincingly if you're going to be a contender at 170, 70 pounds. And now is the time for Ponzinibbio to prove that he can do so. And it's also an opportunity for Ponzinibbio to become a big star. The Latino market is a big space for uh mixed martial arts or excuse me combat sports and UFC is still trying to break into that market you see combat America is doing great business in Mexico and with the uh, Latino market so it's time for the UFC the UFC has been frequently trying to build stars up to, to leverage that space and they've never been able to get it done so uh, he was originally supposed to headline a fight in Chile against um, I don't even remember who that fight was against on the tip of my tongue, but he was pulled out of that, and now he has this fight booked in Argentina where he's from, so it's even better. So I hope that there's a big following there. I hope that, you know, I hope that it sells out, and there's definitely a big uh, turnout to support him that that night, and let's, like, let's see what kind of kicks off from there, but I think this is a huge opportunity for him because the UFC is looking to find someone that can that they can leverage in that market. He speaks English, Spanish, and Portuguese. So you know he's got he's got the big three down. If he messes around and learns how to speak uh, Japanese too, then you know he's, he's set. But Ponzinibbio is someone that can become a star. He has the look. He has the fighting style. You know, he goes out there, he knocks guys out, puts them away. So I think that this is his moment to... This is his moment to do something special. And I'm doing special in air quotes because he could mess it up and this you know it, it he'll he'll figure out he'll fi find out the hard way that that you know 
opportunities come few and far between within the UFC. But I think that this is a, an important fight for him. I think that he can kind of solidify his position there. Uh, what else do we have that's important on this card? We have Ricardo Lamas and Darren Elkins. I mean, you know, I really don't give a damn about this fight. Lamas, you know, he's had his opportunities. He hasn't been able to rise to the top. Darren Elkins is still trying to figure out how to get it done. Let me see. What has Darren Elkins done? As a lead, I know he's won a couple, but oh, he's coming off of a loss, and that snapped a six-fight win streak. I mean, the dude—he's another guy. I mean, he's just a fucking tough, tough guy. I mean, he's lost to Volkanovski, Hakan Diaz, uh, Jeremy Stevens, Chad Mendez, Charles Oliveira, and Ted Worthington. Well, Ted Worthington was outside outside the UFC, but he's been in the UFC since 2000 and. Just getting the job done. So like, let's see what he has in this opportunity here. Um, Ricardo Lamas. I mean, Ricardo Lamas is Ricardo Lamas. Always a uh, uh, tough out. Continued contender. He's coming off of two losses back to back. So let's see what this guy kind of looks like. He's been dealing with. He's been getting stopped a lot lately. He was stopped in three of his last four. Um, TKO by Chad Mendez and then Josh Emmett. Um, actually, no, excuse me, he's been stopped in one of his last three, two of his last four, excuse me, two of his last four losses, he was, uh, stopped, so like, let's see what this guy looks like this time around, so one fight I am really looking forward to is Cynthia Calvillo, Calvillo, that, whatever, against, um, Polino Botello, Pollyanna Botello, um, this is an important fight. The Cynthia is another. I wrote about this for MMA ratings this week. Cynthia is another one of those names who, even though she's Mexican American, she could be someone that the UFC promotes. You know, you know they, you know how they have their uh, promotional tendencies to promote people based on their uh, ethnicity, regardless of their nationality. How that really kind of comes into play, but that's neither here nor there. So. She's facing someone because she was doing well. She was on a run. She was getting promoted pretty well. And she ran into Carla Esparza. And all that just came to a screeching halt. Because Esparza was going to do what Esparza was going to do. So all that came to a halt. And now there's an opportunity to build her back up. But she's facing someone who's not an easy fight. You may not recognize her name. But Pollyanna's tough. And she puts people out. So her, I think her striking is definitely going to be the advantage for her in this fight here. And, and Calvillo is definitely someone who can grapple. And But you saw the issue she had with Carla striking. So how is she going to deal with that of Pollyanna? Pollyanna who's been putting people out via yeah, outright violence as, as of late. So let's see what that fight looks like. I wrote about it for MMARatings.net. You should see the piece up tomorrow. But, uh, man, it was, it, it was definitely... Um, something exciting and something interesting to uh, see. I'm looking forward to, looking forward to that fight. So with that in mind, you know, we're going to go ahead and close it out. Uh, never heard back from Shawan today, but gave you about 45 minutes of commentary around uh, MMA and all the stuff that's going on with that. So as always, please be sure to like and share our content. You can find us here on YouTube. You can find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Check out our content there. Go to MMARatings.net to, um, see some of the pieces that we've all written and rate the fights and the cards as a whole check out the let's talk wrestling podcast we're on episode three this week dropped yesterday 
and be sure to just continue to listen and like and share our content. We appreciate your time and we appreciate everyone who's been showing our support all these years. With that in mind, we're going to go ahead and close it out, everyone. Thank you and have a great night.